I'm Damien Huffenden from 7news.com.au. Welcome to this 7 News Podcast Extra. The Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games are just around the corner and one of the athletes going for gold is both a veteran and current world record holder. I recently caught up with Michael Roger. Michael Roger, hello. G'day, Damien. How are you going? I'm going so well, but more importantly, how are you going? Because we've got a big few months on the way. We have, we have. I'm going well. I've just come off a 10K road race in Tasmania on the weekend, which went well, and um, head up to Cairns at the end of this week for some more weather training and hopefully smooth sailing into Tokyo. Now, not only that, I believe earlier this year you cracked a world record, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a really good year, actually, which is... Um, it's given me a lot of confidence, so I broke my own world record in the 5,000 metres on the track early early this year, and then at the end of April, I went uh, went and did the same thing in the marathon, which is the event I'll be facing in Tokyo. So um, if I get to the start line fit and healthy, I'll be very dangerous, I think. Absolutely. Now, of course, now I know your story, and a lot of people will know who you are, but for those who don't know, give us give us the Michael Roger story. Who are you? How did you come to be a Paralympian? Yeah, I guess... Um, this will be my fourth Paralympics in Tokyo, but all started a long time ago in a country South Australia, a place called Langhorn Creek. I grew up there with a twin brother, and I popped out with uh, missing the lower half of my right arm. So I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm no different. I haven't had to go through any trauma. I'm just missing the lower half of my right arm. So that that has made me be able to run in the Paralympics. And um, from a very young age, when I knew I wasn't going to be playing AFL, I wanted to be the best at something in this world, and uh, that was running, and that was running far. Now, you had some inspiration from another Paralympic champion, didn't you? Yeah, I did. In Just after the two, Sydney 2000 Paralympics, a uh, fellow called Neil Fuller, who um, cleaned up and won two gold medals, I think, in Sydney, come to come to my primary school in Langhorne Creek, and he, you know, had his prosthetic leg and he talked about his journey in the Paralympics and he pulled me aside and he said, Michael, one day you can be like me and represent the country at the Paralympics. And pretty much from that day on, when I was a kid, um, I knew I could be a Paralympian like Neil. And fast forward to now, I've been to three Paralympic Games and hopefully going to my fourth soon. How important is it to have that recognition and, you know, being on the world stage now? Paralympics have come a long way in the last few years. We've got so many people with different disabilities, you know, yourself with the uh, with the missing arm, you've got people with wheelchairs, vision impairments, all sorts of different disabilities, all coming on a world stage now, you know, on a major network now, lots of recognition. How do you feel about that, looking back on yourself as a 12-year-old? Yeah, I think even from um, Beijing 2008 with my first Paralympic Games to to London four years later, then to Rio in 2016 to now, the Paralympic movement's come a long way. I think as a society we're getting better, but there's still work to be done. And disability isn't a bad word. Uh, people are different. People have different size shoes, different heights, and I'm just, I'm just missing an arm. But that doesn't mean I'm no less than anyone else. And I think we're going in the right direction and you know, Paralympians are equal to the Olympians, and um, it's it's good to know that, and it's good to know people are you know are accepting and just being kind to each other, and you know we're all moving forward in this world as one, not you know separated societies. 
outside of the sporting arena, how do you find people react to the way, look, obviously your disability is quite noticeable. Everyone's going to be able to see it. How do you find people interact with you and react to your disability? Yeah, well, for people react differently to everything. And I think kids, kids, kids always are the funny ones. Like I've got three nephews and they're sort of five, three, and one, and they're all learning what what Uncle Michael is missing an arm, and so their reaction's funny. But um, I think people just need to ask questions and, and not be shy and not look away because you know I don't mind people asking me how I lost my arm or what happened to me, and I'll just be open and honest with them, and that's all I can do. And we we just have to start the conversation, I think. And if we keep having conversations about disability and adversity, and you know, whether you're male, female, whatever you are, just have conversations and talk about it. I think we can move forward. Now, obviously, Tokyo 2020 was supposed to be in 2020. We got sidetracked by COVID. How did that throw you off? Yeah, it was, at the time, it was very uh, mentally tough for me. It was, you know, in 2020, I felt I had my fitness. I felt like I had my competitors covered and I was healthy. And all that one year is not guaranteed the next year. So, Back in 2020, when they did get called off, I was very, very nervous about what 2021 was like. But fortunately, sitting here today talking to you, I feel like I've still got all those three components ticked off. So in saying that, it did change our plans. We weren't, weren't able to travel overseas to compete. We weren't able to go to our um, America base at altitude to train. We just had to adapt and adjust. And I think my coach, Philo Saunders, has done that very well. You know, we're training at Altitude and Perisher. We're in the Altitude House at the Australian Institute of Sport. We're in an environmental chamber to get used to the conditions in Tokyo. And we've had some races in Australia, which has been positive as well. So, all in all, sitting here today, I think we've handled very well and we're prepared for anything come uh, Tokyo Paralympics. Well, I was going to say, like as you said, you've had a stellar year so far, you know, two world records under your belt and looking back over your career, so many accolades in there as well, you know, Athlete of the Year, Para-Athlete of the Year, uh, Cleo Bachelor of the Year finalist I saw in there as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> but, yeah, it looks like a stunning lead-up to Tokyo <laughs> this year. How have you been preparing for this Games in particular, like this year? Yeah, uh, in saying all those things and all those great things I've done and achievements, there's one thing missing from my kit bag, and that's a Paralympic gold medal. And I think ever since I started this journey as a young fellow, the dream was to stand on the top of the podium and sing the national anthem at a Paralympic Games. So that's the goal. That's been the goal for a long time. Um, preparation, you know, is going well. I'm, you know, running over 160 k's a week. Touch wood, I haven't had any major injuries this year. Um, and now the sort of business end of the prep is starting now. So we'll head to Cairns on Thursday for a three-week training camp in the heat. I'll then come back to Canberra and train in the Altitude House at AIS for three weeks, and then I'll head to the final prep in Cairns again um, early August for three weeks before I head to Tokyo. So it's all mapped out and it's all ready to go. I just need to you know, listen to my body and not take any risks that I don't need to, I guess. Sounds like there's fire in the belly. Yeah, there is. It's sort of, you know, Rio is sort of, I went into Rio as a world record holder in the 1500 and couldn't quite get the job done. I got a bronze medal. So, um, yeah. Nothing to see that, No, you're right, Damien. You're right. But um, I think, you know, I have such high expectations myself and, you know, I want to wake up every day and be better. And I think, you know, hopefully Tokyo will get the job done and having the support of Koala, which is a great Australian brand. And I have, 
comfy spaces to train and then I have comfy spaces at home in my bed and in my couch so all those things are all ticked off and I think leading into Tokyo I'll have no no box unticked. Well I was going to say uh, you've mentioned a lot about the altitude training and, and lots of on the road stuff but sleep is that important part of training that not a lot of people realise. Yeah I think a lot of people most Australians well, three quarters of Australians probably don't get enough sleep and being an athlete sleep is probably I think the most important recovery tool and um, and that starts with a with a good mattress and a good bed and you know if anyone needs that go to Koala Australia because they'll sort you out but definitely sleep and definitely you know relaxation and mindfulness and that's being in a comfy space at home as well that and you know a bit of you know hot cold bath to my go-tos oh really cold bath no yeah no Jamie, <laughs> we got to do that I try I, I probably do that four times a week there at AIS so in the middle of a Canberra winter, it's not the best, but uh, so you just I know. Walk about outside. It. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. But when you do those sort of recovery methods and you make sure you're getting your nine hours of sleep, you're going to wake up the next day and ready for the next session or the next race or, or just yeah, the day ahead. When when you come off a massive win like a world record, winning bronze, how do you then either celebrate and then relax? <laughs> You, as an athlete, you think you know you're going to break a you break a world record, you win a Paralympic gold, and that's that's that, and you know it's great. But I think when I when I do those things, I reflect on how I got there, and then I just celebrate, you know, just with my family or my coach, and and I love to you know write down what what the next goal is because I don't think I'll ever stop until I know I've reached my full potential, and um, I think in the marathon that's I've got a long way to go. You're going for your fourth now, and it still sounds like there's plenty to go. We could be seeing you at a few more Paralympic Games to come. Yeah, I think so, and um, I think definitely Paris 2024, and then you've got LA as well, 2028. But uh, wouldn't it be great if uh, Brisbane got the nod in 2032 Absolutely. and to finish on, on that? You'll have to hold out for 2032 now. Yeah, well, I reckon <laughs> I'm, a I'm a marathon runner, and we can, we can go for a long time, and I think I'm like a fine red wine from Langhorn Creek. I'm only getting better with age. <laughs> well, I, it sounds like you come from good stock, so why not? Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely good stock up there. And you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the person today or the athlete I am today without like the great support from my community back home in Langhorn Creek, either. So. All right. Well, uh, we're obviously all hoping for great things for you in Tokyo. You've come a long way. I think it's time you finally got that gold. We're all holding out hope for you. All the best over there. And uh, no doubt we'll talk to you when you get back. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. And go and rest up in that comfy koala bed. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, where, that's where it's all happening. <laughs>